Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or you'd like some biblical counsel on. That's what we're here to do. That's the vision of this show is to just give you uh, access very easily to pastors who can answer your questions and pray for you. And we also have a community of people tuning in who can say yes and amen to our prayers. So if you have a prayer request, if you have a question, we want to hear from you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. I want to welcome those of you who are tuning in in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. You're hearing the show live today. We also want to greet those of you who are listening on the East Coast on our syndicated stations on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those who are tuning in on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. Those of you on Hope FM and Truth FM, we're glad to see how God is growing and expanding the family of listening stations of Calvary Live across the country and also across the world because we are also available online. And so we, uh, I just got an image of our online audience. We have a lot of listeners here in Colorado, some in the Pacific Northwest, kind of uh, lower Midwest, down into Texas, Oklahoma, looks like, and uh, East Coast, of course. And then we also have some international listeners right now in South Africa, Ukraine, and Norway. So welcome to all of you. We're glad that you're with us and glad that you're tuning in today. Uh, again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or biblical counsel on. That's what we're here to do. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line 720-336-0897. Just a reminder for those of you listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, so that's on the East Coast and the Appalachian region, you are hearing the show on a one-week delay. So we want you to know that. We want you to keep it in mind. But we also want you to be part of the show and call in. And you guys actually have a unique opportunity with that, and that is that as you call in live now, you will be able to ask your question, get it answered, receive prayer. And then next week, when the show is aired on your local station, you'll be able to tell some people, hey, I'm going to be on the radio at this and this time. You should tune in. And maybe by doing that, you'll have the opportunity to introduce some people to this program, Calvary Live, who maybe weren't familiar with it in the past. So we see that as a great opportunity for those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM and Truth FM. But we want you to know 
that you're here in the show on a one-week delay. And uh, again, if you are listening online, uh, we would love it if you would share that online on your social media, maybe through a text to somebody. Let, let's get the word out there about Grace FM and about this program in particular, Calvary Live. And so if you are listening online, there's two ways to do it. One of those ways is that you can listen in your browser, right? So you just open up your browser on your on your mobile device or on your laptop and type in gracefm.com as one, you know, without any spaces, gracefm.com. And then you'll be able to click the button to listen now right there in your browser. But there's another way you can do that, and that is through our mobile apps. And so we have those available for Apple and Android devices, and they're totally free. So you just go into your app store that you use or a Google Play store, and you type in GraceFM, just one word, no spaces, and it will come up. It's a free app, and you can put that on your device, and you can listen right there in the app anywhere you are in the world. And so it's a great opportunity. We'd love for you to download that app and put it to use. So go for go for it. Uh, a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And our church recently moved. So for many years, we were meeting in the really the the central point of the city, which was right next to the city park in downtown Longmont. Um, but we were renting that facility and we had to set it up every week. And as our church grew, that got to be much more difficult and much more demanding. And so for years, we were praying that God would open up the opportunity for us to get into our own facility. And that happened this past March. So mid-March, we moved into our own facility. And uh, you can probably do the math there that mid-March is right when all of the coronavirus stuff started happening and all of the lockdowns and the um, stay-at-home orders and things like that. So we have yet to be able to have our first service in our new building, but it seems that that time is going to be coming very soon. Some of you probably saw that today President Trump uh, went ahead and had a press conference, and in that press conference he said that he was declaring churches to be essential, and not just search churches, but houses of worship in general. But that includes churches. So uh, churches are now deemed essential. Now, we do need to see how you know governors are going to react and local authorities and things like that, but um, this is big news for those of us in uh, the church world. And so you can be praying for us. We need a lot of wisdom with how to open the church well and uh, how to follow guidelines, you know, from the CDC about how to do proper distancing, keep people safe. And yet we do believe that in-person gathered worship is a theological um, imperative, that it's important and that it has real value. And so we've certainly missed that online church. Everybody, uh, almost all churches have been able to do online church of some kind. But uh, it's certainly no replacement. You know, it might be something which can tide us over to a degree. But I just saw a statistic today uh, in an email that I get that sent out to pastors. And it said that uh, national polls have been saying that only about 48% of people who were regular church attenders before this have been tuning in online. And so, you know, as a pastor and with a pastor's heart, I look at that number and I find that to be discouraging and worrisome, you know, where where are the 52% of people who are just not connecting uh, during this time? How are they, you know, I'm sure that 
And, and, you know, I realize that they can pray, they can read their Bibles on their own. But again, we are made for more than that. We're made for more than just an individualized uh, faith. We are made for community. You know, we don't just join the church like it's a social club or a support group when we get saved. No, we are saved when we become part of the people of God who Jesus died for and who he is redeeming. And so being part of that community is uh, part of our it is part of our identity. It's part of our calling. And so that's important stuff. So please pray for us and please please pray for other churches as we uh, are navigating these waters and how to open up um, as churches over the next couple weeks. And so because we're going to be opening, let me give you our new address. I'd love it if you'd write it down or you would um, jot it down. Maybe you go to our website and somehow save it in your phone. Okay, so here's what it is. It is 2950 Colorful Avenue. 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504. 80504 is the zip code. And where this is located, we're just east of County Line Road and Ken Pratt Boulevard. So that is Highway 119, by the way. Ken Pratt Boulevard is Highway 119. So that is uh, really, you know... Uh, on a main thoroughfare, it's on two main thoroughfares for that entire, this entire northern Colorado region, Highway 119 and County Line Road. So um, that is, let's say, th there's a Walmart across the street. So we are on the north side of Highway 119 or Ken Pratt Boulevard, and we are just directly north of Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex. So there's a skate park there, there's a bunch of ball fields, soccer fields, and things like that. And we're just directly across Highway 119 from Sandstone Ranch there on the east side of Longmont. And we are really looking forward to opening up and having you join us. Until that time comes, we'd love it if you check us out online and you can view our services there. You can view past services and watch the videos and things like that. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time every weekday, 2.30 p.m., Monday to Friday, and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. with our radio show, which is called Life in the Field. And those are our sermons uh, cut for the radio. So with that said, let's go to Sheila in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, Sheila. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks. Um, I appreciate all you pastors on uh, Hope FM. Just wanted to tell you that. Yeah, appreciate and, it. And um, to let you know that um, through this COVID, I've been able to speak with um, people that are just kind of not sure of where they're going. Yeah. Um, and um, this one girl, um, it's been like a couple of weeks, and I just keep asking her, how are you and how are your family? And then that opens up a whole big thing of chatting. Um and uh, so this last time I chatted with her, um, she's like, oh, wow, you, you really made me understand that I, I am going to heaven. So mm. it's been quite a blessing. That's cool. Um, Glad to yeah. hear. Um, I had a question about crowns. Um, okay. Uh, like, like I, I, I don't know where I read it or whatever, but we would possibly receive crowns. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I'll tell you where that is. There are five heavenly crowns that are talked about in the Bible. Let me tell you what those are. Okay, there's the imperishable crown. There's the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, and the crown of life. That um, Greek word translated crown is Stefano, which is interesting, right? Because there's the guy Stephen. He was the, the first martyr. And so there's a crown, you know, that he receives. And so what, what is a crown? It's a, it's, it's a reward that you get for doing something right. You know, you could think of this in terms of how in the Olympics people get, um, let's see, in the, in the old Olympics, the original Olympics in Greece, they used to get these crowns on their heads of garlands, leaves placed on their heads as a crown. Well, this is the same idea is that you are being crowned with something as a reward for your actions in this life. And see, um, Paul the Apostle, for example, in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 and 25 says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So you too run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do so to receive a perishable wreath, but we do so for an imperishable crown. Okay, so we see there's the imperishable crown that's mentioned there. Uh, Peter talks about it as the inheritance, which is incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away. There's a crown of rejoicing. This is found in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Crown of righteousness is found in 2 Timothy 4.8, where it says, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but all who love his appearing crown of glory is mentioned in first peter 5 4 and it says where the when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away and then in revelation 5 we see that there's the crown of life now another interesting passage on this is and james also by the way mentions the crown of life that is for all those who love god um, there's an interesting passage of course in revelation where we see that the people who are around the throne the they cast their crowns before the Lord. And that's a really interesting thing right there because what we see is that they received these rewards from God for how they essentially how they lived in this life, right? And then and not only that, but we see that there are there are other types of rewards. For example, a crown of righteousness. That's not something you um you earn through your works, right? That is something that you're awarded because of Jesus' works. But they take these rewards that they've been given and they give them back to God. It's kind of just this reciprocal thing of worship, right? We give back to him that which he has already given to us. We do that in this life as well, right? We do that with our, with our material goods and the, the things that we've been blessed with that he gives to us. And then from the abundance of what he gives to us, we give back to him as our response of worship. So was, does that answer your question? Yeah, I but I I thought they were kind of like crowns that we earned. Yeah, well, not, I think not not really. I mean, yeah. like the crown of life, it's like you know you believe in Jesus, so that's a crown of life. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. So those five crowns, right? The imperishable crown that seems to be, by the way, one that you do earn. Um, because 
he says not everybody runs. You know, he's talking about how we run. We run to receive a prize. And based on how we run, we receive this crown. So to me, that one would speak more of things that we earn. And I think that correlates there with like what Jesus says in Matthew 6:19, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy. Um, so I would say that that is one. I would say that, for example, the crown of righteousness seems like something that we don't earn. Uh, the crown of rejoicing, um, it doesn't really say how that one is given to us. He says, what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? So um, the crown of glory, yeah, these, these again seem to have to do with salvation. In fact, sometimes I see that they're referred to as the five crowns of salvation. Um, but to me, that imperishable crown does seem like it correlates with like what Jesus says in Matthew 6 about storing up treasures in heaven. So I do think that there are some of these rewards, which certainly we will get based on how we lived our lives. Some verses that kind of back that up would be like 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul talks about um, how our actions, you know, we're building, you know, what are you building with? Are you building with precious stones and gold and silver? Or are you building with wood, hay, and stubble? And when those things are tested by fire, the wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up, but the precious stones, the precious metals will remain. And then like 2 Corinthians 6 talks about the, the reward seat of God, where he rewards us for the things that we do in this life. Okay. All right. Thank you. You bet. And thanks for calling in, Sheila. God bless you. Mm -hmm. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got one open line. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. Let's go to an anonymous caller in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, welcome to the program. Hey there. Okay, well, I don't know if you are still there, or maybe you set down the phone for a second, but I do see your call, and I can answer it. I do see your, your topic that you want to talk about, and I can answer it for you, um, even though it seems that we might have missed you uh, while you were on hold. So you had asked the question, what is a good study or reference Bible? Well, I'll tell you the one that I have open on my desk right in front of me right now. It is the ESV Study Bible. And this is what I use. I got this as a gift about 10 years ago, and I use it all the time. I use it every single week, and there are some really great references in it. And what, one of the things I love about this Bible is that when you buy the ESV Study Bible, you also get access to it online. So everything that is in here as far as reference material is also available online. Many of those things can be downloaded. So there are maps in there, and I've, I've used these things in my sermons at church. You take, you know, download the maps from the study Bible, put them up on the screen for the church. Um, also, you know, has some really good articles, not just a commentary underneath the text, but also some really good articles. And it has a thing where it follows the historical redemptive narrative of the Bible in, um, and also very good uh, book summaries of all of the different books of the Bible. So I would really highly recommend that one. And it is um, the ESV Study Bible. You can find it at basically all places that sell Bibles. That would be my, um, my top recommendation. So God bless you, dear anonymous caller. 
and I hope that you got that message. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines, so now's a great time to call in. Let's go to our next caller, Sharia in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Sharia. Welcome to the program. Hi. Did I pronounce your um, name right? You did. You said it perfect. Wow. I'm surprised, actually. Okay. <laughs> Me too, actually. That was really good. Yeah. So I was calling because um, I'm kind of interested, like, as I'm going through the Bible, just, like, being able to come, like, maybe not compare and contrast, but just look deeper at, like, where the original, like, the Greek version and the Hebrew version is. So I was just curious if you could point me to some resources for that. Yes, I can. Okay. The best resource and the easiest resource that I can point you to is a website called Blue Letter Bible. And this is actually a, a, a resource which was born out of Calvary Chapel churches, which is, you know, my background. And I, I'm really proud of Calvary Chapel for providing this resource. A lot of people I talk to, they don't even realize that that's where it came out of with but that is true it came out of pastors conferences you know some people it was on their hearts in the 90s to put out a resource and originally you had to go to the conference every year and they would give you one of these cds and you would like be all excited because you get like this year's updated cd well of course then it went online and now that resource is online it's being constantly updated but one of the benefits of that is that it is it has a fully integrated online version of the Strong's Concordance. So one of the things that we all used to have before the internet was as accessible as it is now is we all used to have a Strong's Concordance. And that used to be the way that you would study um, the passages, you know, like in the Greek, is that you'd have to pull out your Strong's Concordance and you'd have to actually get a Bible that had Strong's numbers in it. But now, now it's all online. So Blue Letter Bible is number one place to go because what you can do is you can type in any passage and you can look at it in Greek and and English side by side and you can see okay this is what this word is you can click on the word and it'll tell you all the different places that that word is used in the entire Bible as well as all the ways that that word can be interpreted and all the ways that it is interpreted in the Bible. So you can do a lot of research and go deeper in those things. So next time, you know, the pastor tells you, well, in Greek, this can mean this, or this does mean that, you can actually go, even on your phone, they have a Bible, they have a phone app for Blue Letter Bible. And you can just go and you can see if he is telling the truth. <laughs> um, so you can also do, you know, deeper studies of your own. If you want to go one step beyond that, there is a book that is on my shelf right now, but I'm kind of tied to a headset, so I can't go grab it, but maybe I could grab it during the break. And that book is kind of a beginner's book for learning biblical Greek. Now, the reason it's important to learn biblical Greek is because the Greek that was spoken 2,000 years ago, very much like the English that was spoken even 500 years ago, right, is very different than what is spoken today. So you want to learn it's called Koine Greek. It's the Greek that was spoken at the time of Jesus. And um, I think one of the things that will really help you is learning the Greek alphabet. Because once you learn the Greek alphabet, then you can actually, one of the things that I do, I'm, I'm not um, fluent in Greek, but I'm fairly proficient. I took it in school. 
And one of the things that I do oftentimes is that I will go and read the Greek text and I don't necessarily understand every word, but I can sound out every word and I can understand how different suffixes work and prefixes in Greek. And even if you just learn those basic things about it, you will actually be able to make out some of the passages of the Bible in Greek and you'll you'll actually find that that really helps you. Um, so, for example, I had a friend reach out to me recently asking how to interpret a certain passage in Ephesians. And as I read it in Greek, I noticed that there's a certain Greek prefix that we don't have an equivalent for in English, but it's a way of drawing emphasis to a word. And of course, that didn't exist in English. Anyway, so all that to say, um, start with the Blue Letter Bible. That's your number one go-to resource. And then if you want to go deeper, then I'm going to tell you after the break a good resource um, for learning so the basics of Biblical Greek. And then um, just one quick question. Have you ever heard of, like, the cipher? Is that? I don't I know about it, but somebody was like, it's a good tool. And then you learn, like, God's real name, which they say is something like, yeah, who's like it sounds like it's not Yahweh though, but it's a different way. It's like Yahushua or something, but it's not Yeshua, like Jesus's name. It's like pronounced different. But I was just curious about it, like if you've heard anything about it. So I haven't heard of Cipher. I'm not sure what that is. Um, oh, okay. One of the things that that now that that would get into issues of Hebrew, right? So Hebrew is kind of a mm -hmm. different thing altogether. Personally, I think Greek is a little bit more helpful. A lot of times okay. because uh, the even the Jews in Jesus' time, many of them used the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament. And so that to say Jesus also quoted from the Septuagint. And so I would say you probably uh, find learning starting with Greek. You could probably move uh, to Hebrew after that. Um, as far as the name of Jesus, here's what I would tell you is that the one thing I do know is that the name Yahweh, where God says to Moses, you know, this is my name, Yahweh. It, it's that whole thing about where God says, I am who I am. The word Yahweh actually, and this is one of the reasons why we know it's pronounced Yahweh, or we believe very strongly that it's pronounced Yahweh, is because it's very similar to the Hebrew word for to be. And that's why oftentimes in the Old Testament, you'll see these phrases like, the God who was, who is, and who will always be. It, see, that's the three tenses of the word to be, the past, present, future. And so this, he is the always existent one, the transcendent one. That's what that name alludes to. And so it's really, so some people, you know, who would come and say, well, we need to call God by his proper name you know, just as you would refer to me, not as radio show host, but you would refer to me as Nick. Um, I think that that argument is not actually very accurate when it comes to speaking about God. And the reason is because, first of all, the reason we call him God is because we believe that there is no other God. So, of course, we call him God because that differentiates him from all others by stating that he's the only one. The other thing is that um, by God stating his name, you know, he says actually what his name is in, in uh, is Exodus 34, where he says, um, the Lord, the Lord, where is Yahweh, Yahweh, right? The one who is, the one who is. And then he says, um, you know, a God 
gracious and merciful, abounding in loving kindness. So then he goes on to talk about his character, right? And so essentially the name of God is associated with the character of God. I hope this is making sense to you, but I say all that to say this. This is, I'll make it really succinct. The name of God is about who God is. And that's why the name Yahweh matters, because he is the one who is ever existent, always has been, always will be, is presently. And these are his characteristics there in Exodus 34. So I, I hope that makes sense and uh, helps in that discussion. Yes, definitely. Thank you so, so very much. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We have come right up to our mid-show break. So I'm going to get that book on Hebrew, I'm sorry, on Greek, and I'll tell you what that is after the break. But give us a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have two open lines and we'd love to hear from you. You can call in with your questions about the Bible or if you have prayer requests, if you would also just like to talk about from a biblical perspective something going on in your life, we'd love to speak with you and pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Okay, right before the break, we were talking to Sharia, and she had a question about learning biblical languages. And I told her that I have a book on my shelf that I was going to pull off uh, during the break. So I did. And here's the title. It's called The Elements of New Testament Greek. And it is by Jeremy Duff. So The Elements of New Testament Greek by Jeremy Duff. And I've uh, this was a book I used when I studied Greek for school. And I found it really easy to follow and really easy to use. And so I'd say this is a great place to start. But again... BlueLetterBible.com is probably going to be the best resource for most people out there, unless you want to go deeper. Okay, let's go to our next caller, who is Greg in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Greg. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. How's it going? Going great. What's up? Uh, I got a prayer request. Yeah. Um, I've been, I'm a recovering drug addict, um, and prior to getting clean, I last time I was getting high in 2016, um, I developed a really paranoid sense of humor, I guess you would call it. Um, but I have mental health disorders now, and I take meds for it. Um, I'm coming up on four years clean from drugs, alcohol, marijuana. Uh, congratulations. Um, That's cool. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, but this last week and a half has been a real struggle for me with the mental issues um, and those paranoid thoughts have been coming back and I've been doing good ever since I got, got out of prison in February this year. Um, and I've been doing good with the new meds that they put me on, but this last week and a half because of certain situations, it's all coming back and it's affecting my peace and serenity, my work life, my life at home, 
life and my relationships with my friends from Narcotics Anonymous meetings that I go to, mm. um, my girlfriend. <clears throat> and it makes me feel... I don't want to say a cuss word, but it makes me feel like a piece for thinking those thoughts about people, like thinking that they're out to get me and stuff like that. You know, and I always come up with that Bible verse that says, take every thought obedient to the... Uh, uh, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Yeah. You know, and I, I try to do that on a daily basis, sometimes a minutely basis, especially lately, but I just feel like it's it's not working. You know, and I, I listen to worship music. I read my Bible. Mm. Um, I stopped, I stopped watching TV this last week. I stopped playing my video games. I've been making it a point to not listen to old rap music that I that's unhealthy for me. And I do NA step work every day. I go to meetings. I do church online. And it's just, uh, I feel like I can't catch a break with this, this paranoia stuff. Okay. Well, let's pray for you. It sounds like sounds to me like you're doing all the right things. So, Greg, I just continue. I just encourage you to continue on that way. And I think it's real noble and good of you to reach out for prayer. So we got a lot of people listening right now, and we can all just together. And I would just encourage those of you out there listening, just to join me in prayer for Greg. He's fighting the battle right now. So, Lord, we pray for Greg, and we thank you, Lord, for how you've taken hold of his life. Thank you that he's clean of drugs for four years now. Thank you that he's out of prison and he's working. Lord, thank you that he's reading the Bible and he's in church. Lord, we pray for him that, Lord, help him with this paranoia. Lord, help the, the medical people who are working with him to properly diagnose, Lord, to properly treat in a way that will really help him. But Lord, we also ask for a breakthrough that goes beyond all medicine, that goes beyond anything that human beings can do. Lord, we just pray for this breakthrough that only you can bring. And we ask, Lord, that you would put an end to these paranoid thoughts, to these um, you know, voices and thoughts that come into his mind. Lord, we pray that you would truly set him free. We pray that he would be able to differentiate between the voice of the shepherd and the voice of another who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, help him to differentiate between them. And Lord, we pray that he would choose uh, to follow you in those moments. Lord, we pray that he would have the strength in the moment to do those things that you're calling him to do. Lord, um, we pray that you'd have, you give him the strength in the moment to stand up under that trial that he's facing as he's having that crisis in that time. So Lord, we just ask together uh, in Jesus name, Lord, that you would strengthen him. And we pray that in, in your name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and so I'll just read you this this verse here. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So I want you to know that, that even when you are being tempted, that God is providing you a way to escape that temptation, right? You don't have to give in to it. And um, he's going to strengthen you, and I, I really appreciate you calling in and letting us pray for you. Um, I've spent a lot of years in jail, and um, in 2016, um, I, f I found Grace FM on the radio, and it probably saved my life while I was in there. 
listen all you guys you pastor ed taylor pastor jeff figs greg laurie at nighttime like if i didn't have that radio in my ears listening to you guys i don't know where i would be so i I just want to say i appreciate it oh man that's so encouraging and i'm so glad that we were there for you so hey god bless you greg thanks for that testimony we're going to continue praying for you all right thank you all right bye-bye Hey, you're listening to Grace FM. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000 or text us, 720-336-0897. I just want to take a second after Greg's call just to really, um, let's just reflect on what Greg just said because that's pretty huge. And we've heard that from other people, that there is an inmate population that listens to Grace FM in our county jails, down in uh, Canyon City, right at the state penitentiaries here in Colorado. And they're able to get Grace FM, and there's a lot of people listening to it, and they don't get to call in because they don't have the opportunity. But we've had a lot of people telling us that, that there are inmates listening to us, and that God is using them. And... um, God is using this program. So I just want to, you know, maybe reach out to those of you listening and say, you know, if God's putting on your heart to support this station, I would encourage you to do that. And, you know, there are lots of ways you can do it. You can support the station directly, gracefm.com. You can give on there. Or you can support the the local, you know, each of the churches that's on here, they uh, would receive donations for their local um, ministries as well. So, for example, our church and our daily program and the other churches that are on Grace FM with their sermons, I'm sure that they would accept your support and donations as well. But I think that was just an amazing testimony from Greg to see, you know, because we don't, we don't always know what the impact is having. I mean, personally, right now, I'm sitting here looking at my computer screen, and I have no idea how many people are listening to this right now. Uh, I I believe it's a lot, but it's really cool to hear somebody from somebody like Greg saying, Hey, there were years when I was listening. I, I was ministered to, uh, ministered to it through the Lord, through these, this station, and it maybe even saved my life. So praise the Lord for that. And I would encourage you guys be praying for Greg. He's really fighting the battle and he's wanting to walk with the Lord. So that's a, that's a pretty cool one and a pretty serious prayer request. You know, it reminds us Hebrews 13 verse three says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Uh, since you yourselves are also in the body. You know, we are one body, even with those who are believers in the Lord who are in places like, like jails and prisons. So let's go to our next caller, Ivan in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Ivan. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. First of all, I'd like to say uh, God bless uh, Greg, and I, uh, I'll i be praying for him. Awesome. Um, next, my, my question is, you know, I was always taught and brought up to believe that the rapture comes before the uh, tribulation, and then uh, the movies uh, Left Behind, you know, they show the same thing. And, you know, every, all these pastors and priests and everybody are teaching on TV that uh, the time is coming near because of all the world wars and, and the, the famines and everything, you know, and they think that it's coming near. But, I, you know, I watch and listen, but as I was reading uh, Matthew, it's talking about the end of times. And about and it talks about the uh, the Antichrist and how he's going to rise and everybody's going to believe in him and they're going to turn away from God and the Word and uh, you know he's going to die and rise back up and uh, he's going to perform miracles and all this stuff. But anyway, it's going to lead up to the tribulation 
and the uh, the sun's not going to shine. Uh, the, the sun will turn dark, and the moon will lose its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and Jesus will come down from the clouds with his angels, and the trumpet will sound, and uh, he will uh, claim his um, his elect. First he'll raise the dead, and then he will claim his elect from, from earth. Um, and then, uh, so the tribulation comes first, because, uh, and then the, uh, the rapture. So, like I said, every, I was always taught to believe that the rapture comes first, and that's what all the people say on TV, but the Bible contradicts that. So I was wondering, um, how, how do you interpret that? Yeah, well, I would say the Bible, it's not necessarily the Bible interprets, or contradicts it, sorry. It's rather a matter of interpretation, as you said there at the end. And, you know, nobody wants to believe something that the Bible contradicts. It's it's really a matter of how do we interpret it. And we have to interpret it based on um, a biblical theology. Okay, so I'll give you a few reasons. I, I won't get into all the details, but there, there are other reasons why we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture other than... Um, than the New Testament. There's actually a lot of reasons from the Old Testament why we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. But I will answer your question about Matthew 24 really clearly, and that is this, that Matthew 24, which is called the Olivet Discourse, there's also another version of the Olivet Discourse found in Luke's Gospel. But in Matthew 24, I'm just opening it right now, um, you need to understand the setting. And this is that Jesus is in Jerusalem speaking to Jewish disciples about what is going to happen in that city in the days to come. Now here is why the Olivet Discourse is so hard to interpret. And the reason is because Jesus kind of switches back and forth a little bit by talking about things that are going to happen in the near future and things that are going to happen in the far future. And like I said, sometimes he, he kind of goes back and forth between them, but he ends by talking about what is going to happen in the far-off future. Now, most people who interpret Matthew 24 would interpret this as referring to what happened in Jerusalem in 70 AD, right? And so um, this is not necessarily a what's called a preterist view. This is still a futurist view. But what it is is, remember, from, from Jesus' perspective, the, all of these things were in the future. Or the destruction of the temple was in the future in the year 70 AD. That was still in the future. Remember, he's speaking in 30-something AD. Okay, so Jesus is speaking about the future, and he's talking about the ultimate future. So remember, that's how you have to read Matthew 24. And again, it is a difficult passage to understand because he does talk about the near future and then switches to the far future very quickly. And again, but remember that from their perspective, this was all future. Okay, so he talks about these things. He says, um, there is a time coming. You will hear rumors of wars and rumors of wars, right? The nation will rise against nation. But then here's what's really important. These are the beginning of the birth pains. And so the reasons why you'll hear people say, you know, the end must be coming because we see the rise of these big catastrophic events is because of this phrase, the birth pains. And you think about how birth pains work. They start off kind of less intense and more spaced out. And as time goes on, they get more intense and more frequent. 
And so remember that a lot of these things need to be understood in terms of what happened in 70 AD, but then um, it's, it changes quickly over to um, the, the ultimate future, which is to come. So that's why people interpret it that way, even those who hold a pre-tribulational rapture stance. Now, you are correct that there are others who hold what's either a mid-tribulation or a post-tribulation rapture stance. And a lot of those people would point to this verse and they would say that what Jesus is talking about here are not things that were fulfilled in 70 AD, but they are things which will happen during the tribulation. This is maybe the main passage that a lot of those people point to who hold a post-tribulation rapture stance. Like I said, my view on pre-tribulation rapture is not necessarily based in the... Well, it's not not based in the New Testament. It's just based on things that begin in the Old Testament and are carried through in the New Testament. Okay, well, so, well, I believe just by reading that uh, in pre-tribulation also, so the rapture would come after the tribulation, right? No, that would be a post-tribulation rapture view. I, I hold the pre-tribulation rapture view. I don't believe that God will uh, judge in a temporal way the righteous with the wicked. Oh, okay. Well, I'm kind of having a, a hard time understanding why he talks about, you know, coming down from heaven and then just taking his elect then, you know, instead of taking them before the tribulation, like, like right. in the movies, The Left Behind. Yeah, the the reason for that is because there are going to be, and and I really would not base my theology off of the Left Behind movies at all. I would kind of dissuade anybody from doing that. So here's the reason, is because Jesus comes in the clouds, right, to gather his church to himself. I would say that that happens before the tribulation starts, but during the tribulation, there are going to be many people who are converted, who put their faith in Jesus, realizing that, okay, this is what the Bible talked about, this is what I was warned about, etc. They're going to get saved, put their faith in Jesus, and then um, they are going to be persecuted during the tribulation. They're going to be imprisoned. So when we read about, we, we actually have a name for these people. We call them the tribulation saints, those who get saved during the tribulation who go through the tribulation, they suffer a lot of the injustices and, and persecutions during the tribulation. And then when Jesus comes with those who are his saints, right? he comes with his saints to gather up his saints to himself at the end of all things. So that would be the second coming. So it sounds to me like, um, you know, if you're continuing in a pre-tribulation rapture perspective, what you're kind of conflating are the um, rapture and the second coming. That makes sense. Okay. Okay, I got another quick question. Just take a second. Um, okay. I've always heard throughout my life about the epic of Gargamesh, and I oh, saw yeah. on TV Gargamesh, yeah. And on TV the other day, a special came on. You know, I always flip to the channels and see if there's, you know, if there's something on about, you know, somebody preaching about Christ or something. I, you know, give it a chance and look at it. And this uh, pastor came on, and he was just. Uh, full blown talking about Galgamesh being, you know, the, uh, you know, being uh, pre Bible biblical uh, era and how that he had a scripture that predated any predated the Bible and it was the oldest documentation on earth and that uh, the first king was three quarter alien and one quarter 
human. And uh, where does this all come from? Okay, yeah, that's a great question, and it's not a quick one. So, but here's the benefit you have is that um, there are no other colors right now. So I'm going to answer your question because I think it's a good one. Um, I wrote two articles on this in which I kind of explained this in real linear fashion. So I would love to send you these articles, and anyone who's listening, if you would like to just read these articles, here's the titles of them. Does the Epic of Gilgamesh Undermine the Bible? And the other one is called Gilgamesh, Richard Dawkins, and the Problem of Facts. And so I'd love to send those to you. If you want to just text me your email address, I'd be happy to text you. Or actually, if you just text me and say, I want those articles, I can text you the links. The text line is 720-336-0897. Now, to answer your question, though, on the air, here are um, here. what is the Epic of Gilgamesh? Okay, the Epic of Gilgamesh is considered one of the earliest works of literature. It is a Sumerian epic poem, which tells the story of a cataclysmic flood and the salvation of a righteous man on a boat. Now, portions of the story have been found, which archaeologists date back to 2100 BC. A full version of the poem was unearthed in the mid-19th century, so 1800s, dating back to 650 BC. Similarities between the Epic of Gilgamesh and the story of Noah are these. Uh, the story goes that the god, who in the Epic of Gilgamesh is called Ea, is the creator of the earth, and he decided to end all life on earth with a great flood. Ea selected a man named uh, Utnapishtim and to construct a six-story square boat to save himself and others. Okay, here are a few more similarities. Um, God, or several gods, decide to destroy humankind because of wickedness. A righteous man is chosen to build a boat in order to save himself along with some animals. And both the stories end with a divine promise not to destroy the earth again by a flood. That's where the similarities end. However, here are some of the differences. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, the flood only lasts for six days and seven nights. In the Bible, it lasts for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says that water didn't only fall from the sky, but it came up from beneath the surface of the earth. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, the boat came to rest on a mountain called Nasir, whereas the Bible says that the, the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. The two are about 300 miles apart from each other. And in the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, Utnapashtim received eternal life, whereas Noah died. Okay, so here's the other thing you should know. There are actually hundreds of flood accounts which have been pres preserved all over the world uh, with examples being found in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, even Australia, as well as both of the Americas, and many share similarities with the Genesis account. 95% of these epic flood stories tell the story of a global cataclysmic flood. 88% of them tell of one family of human beings who were saved from drowning to reestablish the human race after the flood. 66% of the stories say that the family was warned. 66% blame wickedness of human beings for the flood. And 70% record a boat as being the means by which the family and the animals survived the flood. Now, here's the big question. Who copied whom? Right, because if, as all these stories purport, we all descended from one family that survived a worldwide cataclysmic flood, then don't you think it would make sense that this story would have been preserved and retold in people groups who then scattered all over the world. 
So therefore, what we would say is that accounts like the Epic of Gilgamesh and others which tell the story of a flood, um, they serve to only reinforce the idea that such a flood did indeed take place. Now, these different stories, what they do is they interpret the story differently. Why did it take place? And what was expected uh, because of the flood? Okay, so the biggest question is, uh, which account of these floods stories should be considered authoritative and which one is, let's say, the original? Uh, for the answer, of course, we would do well to consider the nature of the different texts and the historicity of those texts. Um, there is uh, a few reasons why we, we trust the Bible. And we, so basically what this tells us, though, is that we can be confident of two things. Number one, a flood did happen. And number two, the Bible not only purports to tell history, but the Bible has been proven to do so accurately. So does the Epic of Gilgamesh undermine our trust in the Bible? Absolutely not. If anything, all it does is bolster our trust in the, the historicity of the flood. And, and so here is a um, quote about this. It says, Given the Jews' reputation for passing down information scrupulously from one generation to the next and maintaining consistent reports of events, Genesis is considered by historians and archaeologists to be far more historical than the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is regarded as a mythological story because of its numerous gods and their interrelationships and the intrigues that take place in deciding the fate of mankind. Okay, so here's where that leaves us. Is the Epic of Gilgamesh older than the Bible? Well, no. Here's one reason why we know that. The Bible, in its oldest writings, um, is as old as um, 2000 B.C., right? Maybe even 3000 B.C. in some of the early, early writings, which, of course, predate that. Now, let's remember that the book of Genesis, in the form that we have it, was written by Moses. Now, it was probably written by, like, documents that Moses had that he pieced together, which were recorded at different times and then collected. And Moses took those collections of documents and wrote them into one authoritative account, which is the book of Genesis. So does Gilgamesh predate the book of Genesis? Perhaps. But does it predate other writings in the Bible? No. Again, furthermore, they both tell the same they both tell a story about the same event, but they interpret them in different ways. And most people believe that the Epic of Gilgamesh is much more fanciful and mythological and really what the Bible purports is something that we can actually consider to be historical. It's a really long answer, but I hope it helps. Oh, it does. It just kind of upset me a little that this pastor was so into it. And, you know, he had illustrations and animation and, you know, I was just full blown. I only, I was only able to watch like twenty minutes of it before I had to turn it. Yeah, you know what? I would just encourage you. Most of the stuff that gets put on the on the TV channels about the Bible is usually not the stuff that you need to be paying attention to. So I'd yeah. encourage you. There are some other really great resources out there. And while I got you online, I'll just tell you one, and it's uh, relevant to this week. This week. An evangelist and apologist named Ravi Zacharias went to be with the Lord. He had a wonderful, excellent ministry that is going to outlive his life. And um, I would encourage you, he has great material on these kind of things as well. So rather than, you know, getting it from some of these dubious sources that um, are on TV or Netflix and stuff, or even some on YouTube, 
go to what you know are reliable sources. Go to places like Ravi Zacharias, International Ministries, RZIM, and um, check out what they have to say about it. Those are going to be much better places to get that kind of information. Well, thank you. Can you give me that uh, number again, please? Yeah, rzim.org. Rzim.org. Uh, no, oh, the number uh, for the text. Number, yeah, so you can text yeah. me the. Uh, for sure, text text this text this address, and I'll I'll send you the links. Okay, seven two zero, seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Got seven two zero, three three six zero eight nine seven. Reach. I'm sorry. Seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Zero eight nine seven. Okay, great. Well, I okay. appreciate it. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. You have a blessed day. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, uh, we are really at the end of our show here, but I do want to read you this text that came in. This person says, since the COVID pandemic, I became a newborn believer. I want to thank all the pastors for being able to minister to all of us through the radio. Because of you, I am saved. Well, we believe that it is because of Jesus that you are saved, but we are so glad that he used this radio station and the words of uh, mere mortals. And so praise the Lord for that. Let's pray for you as we finish. God, we pray for this new believer. Let him be rooted and grounded and grow in Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady, pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. I'll be with you again next Friday. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.